podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to episode of the podcast. I'm here with my boy, the evil genius. How, what, what are you going by today? <laughs> Just call me Lee. Lee, alright, simply Lee, 14. Yeah. Oh, people might go to see you, follow you, but you really blocked them, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, cool, so, for those who don't know, the evil genius Lee, he's um, actually a doctor, and we're talking about the NHS, as I've told people that I would. Um, it's a very contentious... Um, debate in the UK, we all seem to care about it more than anything, really and truly. Everyone has a different opinions, but I found that quite a lot of us actually don't really know how the NHS is funded, how it runs, the costs, the benefits, and uh, what's it called, the drawbacks of privatization, mixed privatization, or the full public um, ownership. But yeah, so how should we how should we start us off? What the structure of the NHS? Yeah, um, so I find. A lot that people that haven't, I mean, obviously not for no fault of their own, don't really understand the structure. So what it is, is you've got, obviously, Jeremy Hunt, which you all hear about. He's a pagan. He's a pagan. Yeah, <laughs> I hate his guts. But, um, he's, uh, what is it, health minister um, for the Department of Health. Um, we've got this board called NHS England, and they decide where, sort of, they're in, in charge of healthcare all the way through. Um, and they split into basically primary care, which is general practice and things like that, and then secondary care, which is everything else. So NHS England has a contract with all the GP practices around, um, and that, that's what we call primary care. Um, most GP practices, people don't actually realise, are private entities. So you've got some public uh, GP practices which are run by the NHS, mm. but most are actually private and they're run by partners or GP partners. Okay, people. so that's why they, they need to know how to make their dough. Exactly. So okay. most most of them, yeah, are private. Um, you've got a contract with them, with G, uh, NHS England. Um, they actually get their money from a contract from NHS England. So they've got two two contracts, essentially. Mm. So one's called the General Medical Services, or GMS contract. Um, and that's for all your basic GP type services so yeah. where they provide just your day to day care and all those type of things um, the way that one works so they get say £85 for everyone who's registered on their patient list so they might have like say 20,000 patients or whatever mm. and they get £85 per patient just to be registered right. and then uh, the rest is for what we, they have something called QOF which is like quality of framework at, or quality of outcomes framework so the way this is tr- structured is so they try and give good quality care so for example if you come in and you're a smoker yeah. and i say basically i basically try and get you to stop smoking so i will say listen have you thought about smoking it's bad blah 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 I'll tell you why it's bad then say oh we can help you so we'll give you sort of support we'll give you nicotine patches yeah. we'll give you this um if i tick the box in the cross which says I've told you to stop smoking even if you don't stop smoking I get paid for telling you basically. Wow. Um, and then if I successfully get you to stop smoking etc etc I've given you nicotine patch and all this type of stuff then I get paid more and more and more okay so, so it's incentive based precisely it's incentive based or if you've got high blood pressure same thing so if um, the blood pressure target so say your target is 140 over 80 of your blood pressure for say a normal person I so if your blood pressure is really high I get paid for getting it normal and keeping it normal Oh shit. So I get paid on the outcomes of my care and that's how basically it works. Okay. 
Um, you also get what we call a PMS contract, which is for specialist services. Mm. So things that not every GP practice does. So, for example, not every GP practice will fit um, contraceptive coils, for example. They'll have someone in there who mm. might be able to do that. But that would be a enhanced service or something that um, they get paid extra for. Um, generally, the way it works is when you're providing a service... Um, so, for example, if I'm providing flu jabs, yeah. if they give me, say, I'm just going to use some simple numbers, just like 10 grand yeah. to provide flu jabs for my community or yeah. my, my area, which I've got all my patients on the list, it's up to me as a general practitioner to source the cheapest way to provide that service. So, for example, I'm going to go to a company and get the syringes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to another company and get the actual vaccine. Um, so there's two companies which um, sell the vaccine, one selling cheaper than the other one. So I, I get to the cheaper one. Yeah. I get the syringes for cheaper again. So anything I make from that ten grand you've given me is my profit. And that's oh, okay. I, and that's why I eat. So it in terms of incentive, naturally it will give incentive for a general practitioner to get the cheapest uh, materials, if you like, Precisely. so they can increase their profit margin. Exactly, and okay. that is essentially what you're doing as a GP. So you're getting given X amount for a service. You have to provide that service to good quality standards, or as best quality as you can, for as cheap as you can, yeah. and everything you get is profit. Yeah. So And that's what you take home at the end. And then, obviously, you've got to pay your staff, you've got to pay everyone else out of that, and then what you take home is what you eat at the end, essentially. Mm. So that's how it works in primary care. And then you've got secondary care, which is like hospitals. So it's like hospitals, community palliative care, mm. mental health units, everything in mm. the community, everything else. So... The way that works is a bit different. So you've got the NHS England at the top, and then you've got what we call CCGs, which are what we call clinical commissioning groups. Yeah. Now, they are groups which are actually... They're quite new, actually, because they had the top... You remember when the um, uh, coalition government came in and had a top-down reorganisation yeah. of the NHS? Yeah, they introduced these things. Okay. And they're actually... I mean, it was actually with good intentions, because decisions were previously being made by management who didn't really understand medicine yeah. and didn't understand the clinical needs of patients. Yeah. So what they've done is they've made these clinical commissioning groups, which are essentially groups of GPs and some other satellite staff, and they are responsible for rationing the care for their communities. Yeah. So, because every community is different. So, for example, if I've got a community which has a high Asian population, they might have um, a higher prevalence of diabetes. Yeah. So it'd be sensible for that area to have more money driven into sort of that care, care of diabetes. Yeah, um, so basically that's that's how that's how that was the idea behind it mm. and that's how it works. So money is given to the CCGs, which are the commission groups, and they decide how it's, how it's spent allocated. allocated and what's spent in what areas. Yeah. Um, it I mean that that's got pros and cons to it. Like the pros like I said, you get to tailor your own care to the community you're in. Yeah. The cons, um you get like probably something that's always um in papers and stuff, the postcode lottery. So, for example, if I live in Newcastle mm. and there's a like a cancer drug that can save my life or whatever or can extend my life and I've got, say, breast cancer on, and there's a new mm. drug that can save my life for five months, six months, Newcastle CCG might have approved that drug and they might have that drug widely available. But a CCG in Kent or might something not might not have it. And they say, no, it's not cost-effective for us. We're not going to provide it. Oh. So different places you live, you're going to get different yeah, types of yeah. care. Oh, okay. And that's a big problem. That's just the opportunity cost of doing things. Like, unfortunately, it's very difficult. Like, 
I first from what you described, mm. I prefer that model than having management decide things across the board. I think sure. it's a bit more efficient when you've got a more tailored service. Yeah. Obviously, unfortunately, for certain patients that can obviously, obviously show them. Yeah, but carry yeah. On. But so with the CCGs, I think because this is they basically their role is to provide the services for the community. So, yeah. for example, this community needs ultrasound of their stomach. Mm. Um, so I need to find someone who's going to ultrasound their stomach. This is where the privatisation thing comes in. Um, a lot of people get very concerned when you mention the word privatisation. Yeah, it's like a, like a bad word. Forbidden word. Sure. But it, I think... I mean, I, I'll go on later why I don't think it's good anyway. Mm. But I think um, yeah, people just... There's a lot of scaremongering in the media. The way they mean privatisation is before... So if I needed ultrasound for the community, that'd be done by the NHS. Now, what they try to do to decrease costs is they try to get competition in that service. So, for mm. example, the NHS is doing ultrasounds now, but Mr. Virgin over there, mm. he says, I can do that service for you, but I can do it cheaper. Mm. So you're, you're spending 10 grand doing your ultrasounds every year. I'm going to do that for eight. Mm. So what they've done is the CCGs can now decide, right, I'm going to give a contract to this private company, yeah. and this private company is going to provide my ultrasounds for the community for a year or two years or three years eight grand a year so yeah. I'm going to give you eight grand so that me, that's me saving two grand from that budget yeah um, now the reason the rationale behind it is private companies are a lot more efficient yeah. than government run entities so they'll they'll be, be able to provide the cost uh, the service for a better cost now the negative behind it obviously is I'm not doing it for no reason I'm yeah, doing yeah, it for, for profit for profit so I'm going to be taken off the top and that money that I've been taking off the top, that can why am I why is it going to someone else that can be used to reinvest in the service? So yeah. it's basically taking public money. Yeah. So it's a toss up really. Now, my problem with it is if I speak to you now, if I give you ten bags yeah. and you, to provide the service for me, what are you going to do? You're gonna think, right, I've got ten grand. I'm gonna provide the bare minimum and the cheapest service possible and try and get as much profit out of it as I possibly can. Yeah. Now, when you give someone a contract, I mean, the competition is forbidden for the contract, but once the contract's there, there's no competition. Yeah. So I have no incentive to provide yeah, a good uh, service, service yeah. at all. Because, only, because the incentive is now gone. Yeah, precisely. So I've got a contract for you, yeah, so yeah. I'm just trying to maximise maximize profit. Maximise my margin, yeah. And that's the thing that you get with the privatisation in this country. So you get often get a poor service. Sometimes they even run out of cash. Um, and it's just, I'm I'm finding from what I see, you, that some things are done well, but a lot of it is not done very well, mm. um, and that's really due to just yeah, the sort of profit making. Really, mm. um, you get uh, in other countries they do it quite well because they heavily regulate them and they heavily monitor them. So you could do that. You could literally be like really just on their ass, mm. basically make sure they provide the service up by the contracts and write things into it and say the contract will be cancelled if you're not providing yeah if you don't provide this okay cool but then obviously the conservative government um, they don't really have they don't really give a shit <laughs> they really if they keep it if they yeah. keep it chill they don't care yeah they yeah. don't really give a shit so that's what's happening at the moment so when people say privatisation they've got to think okay it's public money still so it's still tax money so you're st- it's still free at the point of use or free at the point yeah, of yeah. need so it's not as such that money's coming out of your own pockets. However, it just means they're being sold to private tenders to provide the service, basically. Okay. 
And then, like I said, there are problems with that in terms of you, you can get uh, some just qu- poor quality, poor quality products, service. Really precisely, because there's no incentive for them. Because, for example, if they were competing with someone else down the road, so there's three ultrasound companies now, and they're all trying to get you to have their own ultrasound, all the quality goes up because yeah. there's competition. Yeah. But then if you've... Once you've you won the contracts... Yeah, you just chilled. So, because no one else can actually provide that service. Yeah, obviously, they don't put any performance-based... Um, not much. Metrics in their comps, so okay, it's letting these men yeah. get away with murder. Okay. Yeah, so they, I mean, in terms of contracts, obviously the contracts are going to be written in a way that there's going to be basic requirements, yeah. but they, there's no drive for excellence mm. from what I can see. There's some things, don't get me wrong, there's some things that are done well. So, like the GPs, for example, mm. the general practice, the private general practice, because that's what they are, a lot of them do very well, and mm. a lot of the pri- private practices are a lot better run than most the NHS practices. Mm. But then in things like ultrasound and things like basic, um, ba- just basic things like that, I don't know. I don't think the quality is very good, personally. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, definitely not. So that's generally that's what's happening with privatisation at the moment. Um, efficiency versus quality. Quality. Yeah. That's what you're doing. But I think the main problem at the moment is um, the public are getting shaped by these PFI deals that were done by... When them. I was researching PFI, so obviously um, Lee told... <laughs> that name kills me. Um, <laughs> Lee told me to check out PFIs, yeah? Mm-hmm. So it was initially brought in by the Tories in the early 90s. So I think that's John, May- John Mayer's reign, I believe, can't quite remember. But it really pushed off, ironically, on the Labour. So what a PF- PFI actually is, is a private finance initiative. So it's basically where a fundraising method by the government where let's say let's say they need to they need to start a new initiative, instead of putting up upfront costs themselves, they sell the contract to like a private, so let's say Lee's got his own company. So I lease it off Lee for 20, 30 years. I pay obviously, you know, like how you're leasing a car or whatnot, you pay a certain amount a year plus interest for 20, 30 years. The problem with this is that instead of how do I even start? Like the problem with this is that first of all, one in five of these as of these um, in, um initiatives, after the after the twenty five thirty year um, stretch, are still owned by the private companies. Yeah. So after imagine paying twenty five years for your mortgage afterwards, the bank still holds still holds the yard. Plus, you've been paying interest. It's crazy, right? Crazy. Insane. Also, just also if you look at, if you think about it in terms of why the government does this, in my opinion, is I think about all about incentive. I always tell people what what is the government's priority. People tell me how to govern the country. Nah, it's to win elections. So, boom. Instead of you paying money up front for certain initiatives in the health sector, you can sell that contract to somebody else. You lease it, so you're paying less money up front. And think about it, these contracts last 25, 30 years. So by the time the contract is done, you're probably not even power anymore. So that way you save more money at that, at that point to go and flip it into something else while you try to at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not been that long. Yeah, so they really came to fruition on the labour, and it's got to a point where now it's a really big problem in the NHS from all the things I've read. Like I've seen stories of like switching. What is it? It's thirteen k to install three light bulbs in a building. Yeah, yeah. Five hundred pounds to move three beds. Yeah. Like it's, this is just a complete waste of pee. It, it, it's a finesse, and this is a problem. I honestly think. These people are actually selling it to their mates. Of course because, they are, because that, there is no other explanation. So, and it's public money. You, I mean, to do the PFI deals, because they're getting so expensive, they're cutting money from public hospitals 
to actually help divert funds into these deals. And I just when I when I, when you look at them, you just think, how have they got away with this? It's actually insane. I don't, I don't understand. I'm sure if I was able to access the data and see the correlation between PFI contracts and party donations, I'm sure it'd be a clear yeah. clear correlation. I don't know. But as I said, it's what life's all about incentives. I find the PFI things mad. But yeah, yeah. but I mean. I mean, in a nutshell, like what the Conservatives are trying to do in, through the back door is get decrease the quality of healthcare and make it so bad that they break the will of the people because yeah. the people are wedded to an idea of an NHS. They're wedded to the idea of it's it's, a, it's, a, it's inbuilt in our culture. Precisely. It's the, I mean, if you ask anyone in England or do polls in England and any just actual English people, it's the most the thing they're most proud of. It's yeah. the thing they're most passionate about. So they're trying to make the services so bad and that's why I don't care that they break that in and people think right we can't actually take this no more so mm. we, we we will be accept we'll, we'll change the system mm. but it's how you change the system that's the big problem and I feel like I mean the big problem with the NHS at the moment is underfunded simple and mm. they're doing it by just underfunding slowly 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 eroding the funds mm. so they are increasing the amount and pledging more in real times but the thing is they say we're going to pledge X amount but they know that the demands are going to grow by more than their pledging. Yeah, that's actually pledging, yes. Precisely, and that's what... I saw something that um, the number of people from... Hold on, where, where did I... What was the year? From two... Hold on, where did I... Yeah, from um, 2003 to 2016, yeah. the number of people passing through um, A&E's has gone up by 65%. Yeah. Wow. This is... I'll come on to that later. It's crazy. Man. And that's... And bear in mind... <laughs> this guy fell down, you know. Oh. Bear in mind, yeah, the population has grown 10%. Yeah. So it's grown by 51% more in the population. Mm. That's absurd. Yeah. Um, I do think there's other factors that contribute to that, but I think I'll move on to that a bit later when mm. I talk about overuse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's underfunded at the moment, and that's what they're doing. They're doing it on purpose to try and break the system. The, about the privatisation, one of the negative things, which I'm saying when they're temp giving uh, contracts to external sources, they're doing it to also try and fragment the system because mm. if you need to break it, it it's hard... It's, it's harder to break if you've got one whole system. If it's already a fragmented system, so yeah. someone else is already doing the ultrasound, someone else is already doing the cataract, someone else is already doing this, someone else is doing that, it's very easy to just write, okay, we, we've already got the, everything in place for a fully private system. system. You charge for that, you charge for that, you charge for that. It's very easy yeah. to do from that point. If you had a whole homogenous NHS, yeah. it's very difficult to actually completely perform that. So that's where they're trying to do it, so in, do it stages, in stages. Precisely. And, and if, they, if they win the next election, yeah. psh, boy, peak. And um, we're lucky that we're not part of TTIP because I think that would have been... Brexit actually probably saved the NHS in a way because, I mean, it's not going to be good in terms of the economy. Mm. It's not going to be good in terms of that's going to take a hit. But in terms of TTIP, they refused to safeguard the NHS from the American companies. And I feel that could have... Ex- by the back door accelerating uh, yeah, the NHS but in a way that would not be good for the people now the NHS is underfunded we've got to think right that's the big problem mm. that's the main issue so how do we fund the NHS mm. and there's so many different ways to do it there's so many different systems so I mean the first one so there's public there's private there's public-private uh, collaborations yeah. if we look at public systems there's the NHS we have now which is just done by tax so you tax people and that funds the healthcare service. Now, that's fine um, if people like that. My my issue with that is when it was the NHS was invented, that was a fantastic idea. I think fair enough, no mm. problem because it's sustainable. He- healthcare like that, if you're funding it like that, it relies on a pyramid-shaped population distribution. So you need 
more net contributors than yeah, you do have people taking out. Away, yeah. You need more young people than old people, essentially. Which is a problem because over the population of over 85 has increased by 10% in the last um, 12 years. So, yeah, more and more that... No, 40%, sorry, not 10%. More and more that pyramid shape is moving to like a rectangle now. So, yeah. you're getting as many people taken out of the system as yeah, you are putting, putting in. in. And bear in mind, as you mentioned on one of your previous podcasts, how many there's a lot of people who don't even pay any income tax. Forty three percent of um, work, eligible working adults don't pay income sure. tax. So now you're leaving it to a very, very small proportion of people to actually fund everyone's healthcare. Yeah. Which is insanity to me. Yeah. Um so that's why okay, so we increase tax now. We fund the NHS. This is exactly what Labour want to do. We increase yeah. tax, we fund the NHS, fine. You're going to come across the same problem in five years, in ten years. Because the pop- because we're doing very well in terms of medical advancements, populations population just live longer. So you're going to keep coming across the same, same problem. problem. So you're just going to keep having to increase the tax. And um, as I said on a previous pod, there's there's an optimal tax point. There's a point where you can in- keep increasing tax, but you start losing money. Cause like I say, if I was if I was to one day make a rule that boom, income tax is 100 percent, VAT is 100 percent, corporation tax 100 percent. So any single penny. You make as a business, we take any single penny make as an individual you take. Mm. How many people have jobs? No, hardly even have jobs. No, have businesses. So you won't take in much money. So everybody thinks that you can keep on increasing tax and keep on making more and more money, only up to a certain extent, because you've got to remember, you're assuming that people want to keep the same behaviour as you increase the tax, but people and businesses won't. So I think, yeah, as you, I agree with you. I think that's a very dangerous ideology that um, quite a few of our uh, political parties are trying to paint that, oh, it's OK, yeah. it's going to keep on increasing the tax because that's not actually dealing with the actual it's not issue. dealing with the problem and the problem is it's not really fit for purpose in my opinion anyway. mm. like because like of the way the pop, you've got so many over 65 now. everyone I see is over 65 like most people anyway mm. and that's the problem so but the thing is it's political suicide to mention anything else so yeah, no yeah one, but as I said they got win. they got win the elections yeah, so no one will, no one will because, what I think is the pop, um, if you look at Brexit not Brexit um, the last election 2015 election yeah over 65, their voter turnout was 78%. Yeah. And I think for the Conservative, they took almost half of that yeah, at 48%. Yeah. So if you're a Conservative government, there's no way you're going to enforce any policy <laughs> to go sure. against that. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Right, so then we have to look at other options. So yeah. alternative options to actually fund it. So uh, I'll explain a bit later. I'm for public ownership of, for many reasons, but we could have a, like a surcharge on services. Mm. So for example... I think there was, I think 2015, there was like 300 million GP consultations in in the year of 2015. If you put a £10 charge on that, and you put a £10 charge of what I call non-resus A&E attendances, so people who walk into A&E. For no reason. Not for no reason. They might have a problem. But just, but just people who have not come in on an ambulance unconscious and like yeah, yeah. need like crazy intervention. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you put a £10 charge on each, you're probably going to raise a lot of money yeah. and you're probably going to decrease, decrease a lot of, a lot of, lot of pointless. time wasters, precisely. Um, a lot Because a lot of people come into services and, I mean, I'll tell you what I've seen just in the last few months. I've seen come, someone come over a hiccup. <laughs> I'm not playing with you. Someone come over a hiccup. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a family of three come into A&E. This is A&E. Family of three came into A&E and come to the front desk and went, we just came in for a checkup, all three of us. <laughs> That's grandmother, mother, and baby. 
all three of them. And there was nothing wrong with them. Nothing wrong with them. And I was just like, nah, you can't be serious. They did get turfed at the door because they allowed, they are like, you were allowed to turf people at the door now. But okay, I'm just saying the th- examples of some of the that's, things. That's the culture though, isn't it? Like, because people think, oh, we've, this is free, so. Yeah. We can, so obviously, if, obviously it's not free per se because yeah, you yeah. pay for that whilst, or quite sure. a lot of people, most people pay that. Even if you pay VAT, sure. you pay via taxation. Yeah. But if you actually put a surcharge on a point of access, because yeah. I've tweeted this quite a few times that, because I've been in A&E, and for me, as a Nigerian to go A&E, you know that I actually have to be there. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I've seen guys walking, bleeding nose, twisted ankle. Crazy. I was like, I'll slap, I'll slap charges on that. Yeah, definitely. I'll slap charges on if, if you look at the behaviour of the British people, British people are stingy. Look at when they introduced the 5P, the 5P bag thing. Yeah. Everyone stopped using bags. Yeah. Everyone stopped using bags. I'm just like, just literally a small charge as a deterrent is a very, very good way just to stop overuse of the system. And that could help increase efficiency as well. And it's going to raise a lot of money. Yeah. And that can be put back into services. So I think that's one way you could do it. Um, the way, other way you could do it is like, a, which is the German way or the way in Singapore and a lot of these countries, is um, they have like a, they're still publicly owned and publicly run, but then they have like a public-based insurance system. When I say publicly owned, you're always going to have a private sector. So yeah. you're, you're always going to have a private sector there's going to be a private market, but we're talking about the general population, yeah. and the mo- majority of the people. So you could have like a public-based insurance company. Um, so in Germany, like they have um, sort of sickness funds, they're non-profit insurance-based companies, mm. which basically look at everyone individually and provide sort of tailored service to everyone, essentially. Um, that's another way you can do it. Um, and that's, it's good in a way because you, again, you're gonna. It's gonna prevent overuse because you're gonna have to come out of pocket for something. Yeah. You're not gonna just get everything just mm. stri- straight off the bat, etc. Um, so that's why it's kind of a good system. But then it's still publicly owned. And the the thing I like about public ownership is it prevents people like me getting greedy. <laughs> I mean, I probably, I mean, I mean, are people gonna get contra- People are gonna sc- who actually follow me are gonna scream because. They're going to say, oh, that's not what you say. You want it to all burn down, blah, blah, blah. The only reason I do is because we get that's we get so underpaid in this country compared to the global market rate. Okay. So if you're going to restrict, if you're going to restrict um, our actual earning power, then at least pay us global market rate. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. you're going to not let free market forces actually take, yeah. uh, uh, pay because us. Because I heard, like, compared to Australia and US, so uh, oh, get paid. Okay. But every day I get an email from Australia thinking now oh, they're offering me silly money. I'm like, oh, I'm going to bounce. I'm just going to bounce. Honestly. It's kangaroo land, yeah, honestly, it's nuts. But um, yeah, public ownership you get it prevents us getting greedy because it, it allows for cost control. Mm. It allows, so in America, as you can see, if you go to America for a snake bite, I saw the other day, it's one thousand one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It's because there's no cost control in their system. Wait, wait, wait. What? There was someone who went with a snake bite and there was a bill, I think it was on Twitter the other day, for $150,000 for a snake bite. It's a mad thing, but for America's... $150,000? Exactly. But that snake owes me bare peas. Yeah. <laughs> what? Nah, it's nuts. So, yeah. Well, yeah. But the thing is, because there's no control of their costs, so... Costs can take liberties, basically. Yeah, one, one they can take liberties. The thing is, if you go in America... Uh, so it's, that's what free markets don't really work out. But if you go in America, you don't know how what you're paying for or how much it is. So, for example, yeah, you're going to get an X-ray. You don't know how much it is. You're going to have a blood test. You don't know how much it is. You don't know how much any of this is. The insurance is taking care of that. Now, I, that's that's that that doesn't sit well with me. 
So imagine like you go into a coffee shop and like someone puts a coffee down and you go, how much is that coffee? Goes, Drink the coffee and I'll tell you afterwards. We'll sort that later. You, you'd never do that. Would no, you? It doesn't I'm telling you it's 15 bar for one. <laughs> exactly. I'll go chuck all certain firms. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, so in America, you've, the problem you've got is you've got the insurance companies with criminal peace mm. and they're in bed with government. They're doing all yeah. these crazy things. And basically, doctors and insurance companies, they, they have like, it's like collective bargaining basically. Yeah. But if as long as the insurance companies are making their profit, they don't really give a toss. Yeah. They don't give a toss what the cost is to the consumer, etc. So it's it's very very difficult to because you can't have that competition for every service. Yeah. So and that's what brings the cost down. For example, if you were having a true free market in healthcare, you'd have like say gallbladders are us. You'd have so if I know I need my gallbladder out, mm. I've got seven different choices all mm. competing to mm. take my gallbladder out. But with healthcare, the nature of healthcare, it's not very... It's, you can't predict it. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if your gallbladder's going to go. You don't know if your spleen's going to go or whatever. So having that freedom of choice, which is what you'd have if you were to like buy a sofa or something like that, yeah. it, it doesn't really apply in the For medical the field. Yeah, of course. That's why I don't think a free... You will never have a true free market. Yeah. So if you're not going to have a true free market... It doesn't really work. Yeah. You've got to regulate it. And that's why I don't like the privately owned systems. I think having a publicly owned, publicly run system, which is run well, however, it's got adequate deterrence for, for overuse and people taking a piss. Yeah. That's probably why I feel that system's better. Um, so, you, I mean, there's so many different ways we could go in forever and talk about all the different services. But in a nutshell, that's what I think. Now... The thing is, Americans, they complain that the places that are publicly owned don't have the quality. Because I think I put out a tweet the other day, like, you either have... Quality. So you've got three things. You've got quality, you've got universality, so everyone gets it, or you've got affordability. Yeah. And it's pick two of the three. Because like, if you've got... Top quality is America. So if you've got good insurance in America and top quality insurance, you'll be... See- so if you've got a heart problem, you see the next day, you operate on the next day, everything's done. Mm. Calm. Mm. But you could never have that in this country because that, I mean, I mean, because of the universality, you can't have that quality because you just bankrupt everyone yeah. because you can't afford that. If you've got, no, keep talking, keep talking. Yeah, keep talking. Like, if it, if it, like, if it is an affordable system and a universal system, for example, like here, it's yeah. relatively affordable and yeah. it's universal, but yeah, you're not going to have a quality, quality because you have to wait, like, and it has to be like rationing. So, for example. You can't get everything on the NHS. You, there's panels which sit and decide what people can get. So, for example, you'll see a lot of um, overweight people who want, like, um, lost a lot of weight and they all want gastric band or one... So they'll put criteria for that, but say they want their skin removed yeah. and it's a cosmetic thing. Yeah. So you, they'll have to go in front of a panel and they'll decide, can you have it or can you not? Yeah. Um, so, for example, a lot of cancer drugs. So a lot of... Every, all the innovation comes from America because there's incentives because it's a private... Yeah. So, yeah. But so they've invented a cancer drug. It comes to this country now, but it costs twenty grand a dose or something wow. like that. Yeah. For just, just for example, and that is like a a valid figure that it could be. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's up to the panels here to decide. Right. So it's usually the National Institute of Clinical Excellence or Nice. They decide. Right. Is this cost effective? Mm. So right, we've got X amount of money. We have to ration it. So what kind of benefit am I going to get from this? It's like cost benefit ratio. It's going to extend the month of these people for six lives. For, for six months, sorry. It's going the lives of these people for six months. 
but they're going to die anyway. Right, okay. That's I know it's okay, they might get more six months with their family, but then that's going to cost X amount mm, of millions. So they make that opportunity cost. So, yeah, so they think, okay, that's not really worth it when we could put this money into young kids with Crohn's disease who yeah. are going to have a lifetime of benefit. Yeah, of and course. that's what I think. So, you but if, if you're in America, you're good insurance, fine, you're cool, d- wherever, wherever you want, it's done, like you've got it. Do you know what I mean? So that's where you get the quality component, and that's the argument for sort of private. You can get top quality service service from having that private type institution. But um, I feel like one of the big problems people don't realise as well is, as well as the pyramid, like I was talking about earlier, the pyramid shaped distribution, mm. and you need more net contributors. So for people that don't understand that, that's just people who are actually paying taxes and contributing to the pot that the government has to actually reinvest into healthcare. Sure. Yeah. And they're contributing more than they're taking Take out. Away. So yeah. they're healthy, so they don't really need anything, but they're still paying the yeah. taxes so other people can use them. Yeah. So they've got more. As well as that, you've got the spiralling cost of healthcare because healthcare is not like everything else. The cost is literally just going like that because yeah. of medical innovation. Yeah. So let's say in 1940, if you had a heart attack, I'd probably give you a bit of aspirin Give you mate if you have any signs of what we call heart failure, I'll give you a bit of freeze mind, then I'll sit you in the corner and see how you do. <laughs> and, that, and that's it, and that's done. And that's how they treated a heart attack back then. Nowadays, everyone gets what we call like primary coronary intervention, which is basically they uh, shoot some dye up into your into your uh, arteries, mm. they see where the blockage is, they've got mm. all these fancy things to see where the blockage is, then they go in through your groin and mm. they take out the blockage and then mm. they put in a stem. So that's costing ten bag. So to treat a heart attack back then may have cost uh, including inflation and all that may cost for example I'm not giving you exact figures £50 yeah. now it costs 10 bag. so if to treat cancer before you treat it to a point but then you didn't have enough in terms of medical innovation to actually do anything so people just died Yeah. now they can keep people alive for a very very long, long time. time so people are having surgeries having chemo radio all these mm. fancy things so everything's getting very very expensive at a very 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 alarming yeah, rate. rate so not only is there more people who are not con- not contributing because they're elderly, they're retired, and all those type of things, you, the costs are so much more. So it just it's just not sustainable. I just don't. See and even as I said, I was even thinking from a macroeconomic point of view. Um, not only is it that, but our actual real incomes are decreasing mm. as people. So we, as people, can't even afford to even give more. We can't even afford, like, the average person can't afford to give more. And the people that make mega peas, they're already paying, like, us, um, the IFS, they released a study on some of the the, um, the party's manifestos, and they said, the, the other group that Labour are targeting, the 80, yeah, 80 grand yeah. upwards, they're saying that those group of people take up, I think it's like 8% of the population, but in terms of income tax, they pay 40% of income tax. Yeah. So you can't really tax those people even more because they're already doing more than their quote-unquote fair share and you can't really keep taxing the people at the bottom end because we don't actually have enough disposable income to live that's why our the amount of household credit and debts is going up sure so the system really we really how can i say this we really can't afford to keep on the nhs at this at this current stage it's impossible i mean i unless everybody's willing to have um doctors and nurses who are paid suddenly and the quality going down on a year in year in basis. Sure, I mean, like it, it is difficult. Like it just doesn't seem sustainable because, of, like I said, the, the double whammy of the spiraling cost of healthcare and the population. So, and as you said, it just doesn't seem like if you're going to tax people more and more. I mean, 
the only thing you can say is right okay your government spend a lot of money on other things like tried and blah blah, then blah and, and reallocate, reallocate it fine 10 years down the line you're going to be in the same problem yeah. 5 years down the line you're going to be in the same problem 15 years the same problem mm. so I just feel like it needs change now it's not fit for modern day yeah. so we need to actually get a system which is fit for purpose yeah. in this modern day but as you were saying about doctors and stuff being paid shoddily and nurses being paid shoddily that like everyone talks about this in terms of one of the benefits or the positives of the NHS is it's so efficient. It's so efficient. The cost per capita, blah, blah. That's what you see politicians say all the time, all mm. the time. And it, and it drives me insane. I'm screaming. At, <laughs> when I'm watching Question Time, I'm screaming at my TV. I'm tweeting. <laughs> bit angry. Hash, bit angry. Hashtag QT. Like, <laughs> you lost. No, no. Anyway. But, you can swear if you want to. Just no, okay, fine. I, I didn't know I could. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But like, so the cost per capita is low of the UK. It is low. So the UK, uh, as of 2015... Cost per capita, so, so cost per capita. So it's basically all the healthcare, that, all the spending in healthcare in the whole country. So absolutely everything, including private, including public, including absolutely everything spent per basically per person. Yeah. So that how much per head are they spending on yeah. healthcare? So in the UK, uh, in 2015, I think it was... Four and they didn't. They were in dollars just to homogenize everything. Yeah. It was four thousand and three dollars. For example, compared to the USA, it was nine thousand four hundred and fifty-one, and that's, that's a, a lot of that's inefficiency. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of that people because the thing is in America as well about inefficiency. So, for example, if you've got decent insurance, I'm fine, I'm like rubbing my hands because I'm like, right, yeah, you're coming with a with a cough. Let's get CT scan. <laughs> why not just because it adds to the cost but yeah so America they spend 9,451 in other sort of countries I'll give you some comparisons so Australia spend not much more than that so 4,420 when you say their system would you say their quality is a lot better than ours uh, yes definitely miles better miles better but then that's there's so many reasons for that I mean their population is different obviously yeah. they're more prosperous countries and like Singapore yeah. like population, the population of London exactly so I mean and they earn a lot more than us exactly so there are other factors for it I mean Germany they spend five thousand two hundred and sixty seven. Um France four thousand four hundred and seven. So I mean I think you had the cost per cheap uh, Yeah, cost so if you look at so that's cost per capita. If I look at um the GDP cost, so that's how much the country itself out of the country's um basically imagine the country's their bank account, really on average how much they spend towards healthcare. Denmark ten point eight percent of their money, France eleven point five it's limited in all of the most of the least actually that would make more sense. USA seventeen point one percent by far away the most. Um, Sweden eleven point nine percent. France eleven point five percent. Then Germany eleven point three percent. Denmark ten point eight percent. Then it's what Norway nine point seven, and then U- then UK nine point one percent of the GDP, and that's of countries similar stature in terms of um, prosperity. size, prosperity, and culture. So you can see that by far we underspend. Yeah. On a per capita basis and on a more macro basis. And it's true. And uh, it shows. We we do need to spend more on healthcare, bottom line. But it's where the funding comes from, as like I said. Yeah. But just to touch on the efficiency thing, and that's what they're, they're, that's what they used to say we're so efficient. We yeah. get all this service for free and it, it, we don't spend that much per on a GDP basis yeah. and we don't spend that much per capita. But the thing is, if you look at the NHS, 65% of the cost in the NHS is on staff. So all these expensive drugs, all these expensive treatments, all these things, the the, the mainstay of costs is staffing. Mm. Now, the reason, I mean, you look at these gaps compared to all these other countries, the reason, you're, if you've got 65% of your costs 
and you're underpaying that 65%, that's, that's why you're efficient. Yeah. That's where most of the, the efficiency, efficiency comes come from. from yeah. So if you, I mean, I, I, there was a beautiful study done, um, and it, I mean, it showed, I mean, it was only doctors, so I didn't look at anyone else, but um, it showed how, if you adjust the standard of living and things like that, and it was saying the UK are the most underpaid in terms of the physicians and surgeons, mm. just out of the first world countries they're just so underpaid honestly it's outrageous it and that's the problem so people keep screaming efficiency 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 we're so efficient yes like amazing but the reason is because you underpay your staff and if you did upgrade the um, the pay for the staff yeah. uh 65 percent personally i haven't done the maths myself but i think you'll see a lot of these efficiency or will whittle away and 100%. it wouldn't be that much different so I just feel like, and this is the problem, and but it's where we're going to get that funding from. Where where are we going to get that extra money to spend and actually pay the staff properly? And this is the problem you're getting. That's why the, one of the other big problems in the NHS is a staff crisis. So staff crisis that not one they're not producing enough from their own universities, so they have to import them from different countries, and that's why you. I mean, if you've been to a hospital recently, how many doctors do you see that are English? Mm. How, uh, how how many and even how many do you see that are English trained mm. if you look at it it's all sort of if you go to any A&E department a and run by sort of locals from different countries mm. really and truly um, and the ones they are training they're not keeping um, so I think there's uh, I think there's this year 50% of people who finish FY2 so you have um, you finish med school you have F1 F2 and then you go into either speciality training um, so decide what you want to do general practice blah 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 but um, 50% opted not to go into training so uh, out of that 50% that didn't do, that haven't gone into training so a lot of them are leaving the country to go somewhere else to go somewhere else yeah because they're just better quality a lot of them um, decide right I can't really bother to do this and I just want to locum yeah. so basically that's just like a temp work and just get jobs in there. You get paid a lot more and you basically decide on what they they want to do with life. But it's because it's, I mean, unless you're one of these people who really knew what you wanted to do all the time, you're super passionate about it and you don't really care about your your life and not life, your quality of living and situation, it's not very attractive for a lot of, a lot of doctors, a lot of F2s. I speak to a lot of the younger lot, a lot of the F2s and stuff. And they, they, a lot of them seem a bit disheartened with mm. what's going on. And they're just thinking, what's the point? Because we're just getting beasted in an awful working environment. Yeah. And we don't really get much respect. We're not really that well paid. Like, what? Do you see any of that? From, from, I'm not sure from what you've seen. I've only gone through Toys Manifesto. I'm going to go through the rest yeah. across the coming days. Yeah. But I don't really see anybody actually having a solid NHS policy. Right. So in terms of the election, I think this is the important thing. So, basically, like I said, it's political suicide to really mess with the NHS. Yeah. Um, so, Conservatives are going to do what they've done for the last few years. So, they've pledged £8 billion over the five-year period. They know that is nowhere near mm-hmm. enough. Nowhere near enough. And the NHS, under the Conservatives, will get hella worse. Like, mm-hmm. In the next five years, it will be to the point where it's unrecognisable for me even is now. Mm. It will be bad. Mm. Bad, 100%. Um, Labour, Labour government, they want to basically fund it properly mm. as much as they can. They've actually committed a lot of money to the NHS. Now, that's good in a way that the NHS can probably function to the levels that it used to. Mm. But the thing about that is, like, is that fair? Mm. <laughs> it is taxing people and continuing to tax people to to fund that 
fair? Is it fair? And you're going to reach the same problems, and you're going to have to just keep increasing the time. And the terms uh, before we move on to the Lib Dems point, from terms from like um, the what's it called um, the point of view of like the medical staff. Yeah. Would Labour's increased funding see an increase in you lot's um, That's wages? A good point. That's a very good point. So Conservatives capped the wage increase to one percent. Inflation. So yeah, yeah. Well, actually, money. Yeah, real time loss. Yeah, real time loss. Um, so what Labour have done, they've offered to lift that cap, but they haven't really given us any clear indications of, of what, the, what the increase will be. will be. But obviously that. So you've got NHS staff and you've got doctors. They're completely separate. So NHS staff work on a band system, so it goes band five and six, blah 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 blah. And you have different points, so they all get the kind of the same pay scale. Um, so that so what what their, their staff are getting paid and their pay doesn't really correlate to doctors' pay. Mm. So doctors' pay is decided by the new junior doctor contract, mm. and I could touch on that a bit if you want me to. Yeah. So now. I mean, I'm going to be really controversial here because um, a lot. If there's any doctors listening, they're going to probably scream at me now. But I actually think it's fair. Mm. I thought it was so. I thought the first one they brought out because they fought out a few drafts. The first one they brought out was a shag, mm. complete shag. So I, I was fuming. I was fuming. The second one, uh, after they drafted it and they, they negotiated, the one the BMA agreed. People are saying, "Oh, not safe, not fair." Right. I understand why they're saying it's potentially not safe. The reason they're saying that is because they have potential to screw us over. Mm. And the potential to screw us over is they could really overwork us in terms of not giving us a break, in terms of the weekends and stuff. So they could, mm. if they wanted to, they could literally make us work every other weekend and just run us into the ground. Mm. But I think the pay increase, because what they've done is they've front-loaded all the money. Mm. So you get less in the end of your training, but you get more early. Yeah. So you, you're actually doing all right quite quickly mm. and you're getting well paid quite quick well not well paid but relatively well paid okay. compared to what you were now before. Yeah. before now the big issues were the safety and that the contract was unfair against women now I mean everyone who follows me probably knows my uh, anyway let me just talk about something but anyway I don't think it's unfair against women personally because for example me and you are say uh, we're the same grade now yeah uh, you're, you're I'm just going to say you're a female you decide to have a baby and you decide to leave training. Now, previously, what your pay was governed on, it didn't matter if you changed um, system, it didn't matter if you changed speciality, it was on your years of service. So if you'd have been there five years in the NHS as a doctor, you'd get paid the same as another person in for five years. Despite whatever whatever quality difference or skills. Okay. But what they've changed it to do now is you're paid depending on your responsibility level and how you've progressed. So, for example, an F2 is going to be paid the same as another F2, unless you're doing different hours. So, obviously, if you're doing different hours, you get paid in different hours, but in terms of your base pay, it's the same. So, if you've taken a year out of maternity leave, had a baby, then come back, got pregnant again, take another year out, had a baby, or however long the maternity leave, nine months, let's say, you took another nine months out, come back. I've stayed in the NHS, I've worked and I've progressed. Do you think you should be paid the same as me? Not a chance. Me personally, not a chance in hell. So, and that's the problem. And so, because they're not getting their automatic pay increases in the times that they're out at maternity leave, and so they come back and they're on the same pay that they were when they left, whereas the person who who was working the whole time and has progressed has got more money, they're saying that's unfair against women. 
I'm not sure that's unfair. I think if you, I mean, but the thing is, it's it it applies for anyone who's taken time out. So if I take time out to study and do a PhD now, which I it it doesn't happen in any work life. If I take time out to do a PhD, I come back in three years. I'm paid more. That doesn't make sense in any walk of life, personally. Yeah, yeah. So we were actually getting a free ride. Yeah. We were just getting pay increases every year for no reason. Yeah. Not really doing anything, not really progressing. So now what they've done is, if you're this level of responsibility, which is F2, mm. or old school SHO, whatever you want to call it, you're getting paid this much, because that's your level of responsibility. So for example, if I'm an F2, I need to report. If, I get sh- if I'm in shit, I can get my registrar, who's my senior. Mm. Um, if I were, I'm not an F2, but that's what they could do at that position. Mm. So they could come and get a registrar, and then the responsibility is on him. Yeah. If he feels that he can't deal with it, then he goes and gets a consultant, yeah. and the responsibility is on them. So you're paid on the grade of responsibility you're on. Yeah. Um, so, for example, I don't feel like... So you'd have people who had done surgery for two years, or three years, and they'd become a surgical registrar, decided to bum this, like, it's a long life, I don't really want to do this, let me go do GP. Yeah. Um come back down to GP now so then they've come back and started training again so they're at a lesser level of responsibility because they're still reporting to someone else yeah. but they're paid the same as they were when they were a surgical registrar that's insane which is nuts yeah. it doesn't make sense because your pay is not what your actual output is exactly it's what you have it's not efficient yeah. just so it never goes down so yeah. it doesn't so I think that's a very fair way to run yeah, the system yeah I think that is so they've actually increased the pay. So the pay's gone up. I mean, I mean. So for example, my I, I won't say the whole thing, but my pay's going to be going up seven grand for, for, for doing nothing. For Think doing nothing. For doing nothing. Yeah, <laughs> no, for, for doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, I am a stingy guy. But but so they're actually paying you a lot better because you're, they're paying you earlier. Mm. So the only people that's going to shag really are people who are doing long training programs and who are senior registrars who are just about to be consultants. They got a, they'll be getting a lot less than what they were. But if you look at the people who are running through, accumulatively over your career, you get more money. Oh, okay. So, what's so I think really and truly, it's not really a bad deal. The only thing we need to do is to fight to make sure that you, they don't shake you on the rotors and things like that. Yeah. And also, enough. also the big thing about the junior doctor's contract, which is good, the big thing. Previously, you know, you see doctors. I mean, you, you know, plenty of them as well. They're staying like they finish at five at the same time nine o'clock. Yeah, and you don't get paid for it. Yeah, and you don't get paid for it. You don't. I mean, when I was at F one, F two, ST one, ST two, that is what I did. Literally, you just stay in late, 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 and you're not you're getting paid for it minutes. because you have to finish your work. Otherwise, people die. Yeah. Um, but now in the new contract, you get paid for every hour you do, so you get overtime payments, and you get payment for Tato's. Uh, as um, you get paid for the hour plus thirty seven point five percent or something, so you get paid more of a rate for staying behind. How is that not fair? That's lit. How is that not fair? That's lit. So it's a good deal, and like, uh, I think personally it's a good deal. That's my opinion. My brother as well, like me and my, bro- my brother's doctor as well. So we've literally been discussing it. We discussed it at the time, discussed it for ages. The first deal was a shake. Mm. I don't. I, I went to vote no. The second deal is actually pretty good. Mm. So um, I don't think they should complain. Okay, so we spoke about Labour, we spoke about COVID. What do you think about the Liberal Democrat? Because I think I'm probably more likely to vote for them, Orange Pagans, than the others. But I mean, they're, they're the same. They just pledge... Uh, they pledge more, yeah, more money than Conservatives, less money than Labour. Labor so in between. In between, yeah. yeah. So, but they've not pledged to change any of the system or anything like that. So, so yeah, cause I, don't, I don't really see any real changes in terms nah, of the structural system. No, nah, nothing's going to change. I mean, the only thing about Labour is they'll fund it properly. Mm. They'll fund it properly, but... Is that the right thing to do? Yeah, so I'm not sure that is. So for the listeners, 
if NHS is something that you vote for, like if, if that's like your main crux of what you want to vote for, uh, Labour's probably might be the best option for that. If you believe in that, yeah. Yeah, but people, but if people who don't have hundred bags a year, they don't give a shit. Yeah, about what true, they do. true, so, true, true, true. So yeah, it really depends on you. So yeah, as much as I'm a, a Labour fan. If the NHS probably might be in the better hands of Labour than it is, definitely Conservatives, because they're going to torpedo the whole thing. Um, and so Labour, Liberal Democrats probably a better option because Conservatives are just going to like is that is that the play? No, we play jingle, take one block at a time. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the fact. And you know why they're idiots? This is another reason they're idiots. I just want to. So they, you know, you keep hearing about this seven day service, seven yeah. day service, seven day service, seven day service, GP seven day service, mm-hmm. everything seven, bruv. You have a seven-day service there. You just don't want to pay for it. So all like all they have to do, right, in terms of... Okay, you can't see a GP on a Saturday, right? Yeah. And you're annoyed about that because you're working full-time and you want to see a GP on a Saturday. They already have an out-of-hour service which is functionally there and it's running. The big issue is... Right, I don't even know that. Yeah, no one knows it. One, the big issue is, one, they don't advertise it. No one knows about it. No one knows it's there. Two, there's not enough staff there. All you need to do... So you've got your GP. No one sees the same GP anymore anyway. It's not like the old days where yeah. everyone comes in and sees the same GP, yeah. same GP, same GP, yeah. same GP. All you need to do is literally increase the staff and you're out of hours and link the computer systems. Because the big problem when you do out of hours is you... Don't have access to the you don't have access, Yeah, you don't have access. So, for example, someone comes in now. I don't know. I can't do all their quaff. I can't do all these things because I don't have access to it. I'm just literally a stopgap till they mm. can see their GP next week. Mm. That's not efficient. So it's not efficient. So I'm, you're seeing the same someone who could solve your problem, but you're seeing two people. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Give GPs out of hours the access to that system and then link the systems. Yeah, just link the systems like that and then increase and pay for the staff. The reason is the service don't want to pay for it. Yeah. They want GPs on that same contract to basically do more work with not really much more Yeah, money. so they stay on the stage on the stretch of time. Yeah, so they're, they're shigging in so many different ways. They're so disgusting. And that's the thing, because me personally, like, with my career, like, I I mean, I did both sets of exams. So I'm, I'm doing physician exams, so MRCP, MRCGP, so I did both, just so I have the choice. Mm. Um, but I looked at medicine, and looked at medicine, and I looked at the people in medicine. Everyone just looks unhappy. Mm. everyone looks unhappy so for me it's a sports thing but let me go to a football club because I, I, I can't I can't handle it because looking at looking at the NHS I'm just seeing a lot of doctors and they just stressed. they're stressed they're struggling work-life balance work-life balance is just shagged and they're not paid well enough for what they That's, do like, there's so much data you can just see in efficiency everywhere like I was seeing um, seven, like just in missed appointments alone cost £700 million pounds. crazy Imagine if you were paying ten pounds for your appointment. Do you think anyone's missing their appointment, or without cancelling it or calling up? No chance. No chance. No chance. So that's another overuse thing, man. That's another overuse thing. But yeah, anything you want to touch on? Um, you can run. This is your... I can run. Oh, man. So oh, do you know what people say? Like healthcare is alright. Healthcare is alright. I mean, I'm not sure what you believe, but I just think how can how can it be alright, man? So. If it's all right, you're basically saying that we need to provide this for everyone, no matter what the cost. But my problem is, who, who's paying for it? How do we fund it? It's not like, so for example, I feel like a right is that you have a right to safety. So I can't just come run up in your house with a shank. I can't do that, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I feel like, yeah, so you should have a right to safety and non-violence and mm. those types of things. But... Or, like, people compare it often with education. So, oh, some, in some places, education's not right. But 
we have to look at it, everything in context. The cost implications are not the same. So you don't in education. Okay, obviously you've got inflation. You've got new technology. Well, in terms of yeah, but it doesn't really rise. It doesn't, at, really, doesn't rise yeah. at like that steep rate. It's relatively constant or relatively consistent with in terms of the increase in um, standard of living generally. But healthcare is different, yeah. It's like it rises exponentially. So if it's a right, where does it stop? What is a right? So you have a right to people. When I ask people this, because I'm getting some back and forth about it, they say, okay, no, nah, but. So I say, if, um, if a treatment costs, so this surgery costs 50 bag, you think that's a right? 50 bag, so you have to have it. This um, treatment, so this, okay, it's cancer treatment. It costs, I've just, okay, sometimes I use extremes because extremes make blurred lines easier to see sometimes yeah. if you spread it. If this costs a million pounds, two million pounds, do you think, is that right for you to have? Is that right for you to have? Because it's, it's difficult because... Do people forget that um, there's a finite amount of resources in it? So the government doesn't, it's not like Monopoly or you know, and GTA could do money cheap. The government sure. can't do money cheap. There's, they have a pot of money that they can spend. So... Every pound spent on X is one pound less spent on Y. Precisely. So I think that's where you you really got to think. Um, when I, in terms of me thinking, it's a, in my opinion, do I think it's a right? Um, I think like basic healthcare is a right. See, this <laughs> this was I say. What's basic? What's basic? And this is I stump everyone on Twitter with this. I ask them, what's basic? And they say, uh, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't really know because I don't know about healthcare. Exactly. Like, fine. About fine. But, then, but the reason why I say that is because I want people to be able to contribute. In terms of money, so you need you actually need a semi-healthy population to have a semi-healthy economy. I understand that. I understand that. But what's, so, what's basic? Because, like I say, but when I say a right, I still think you, when I say it's a right, I feel like okay, I don't even think it's a right. Actually, I think I think I personally have to pay for shit. I think apart from shelter, water. You think shelter is right? Yeah, but just because of crime. No, 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 you're right. Necessity. It's a necessity, no, but yeah, no, no, I'll no, agree no, with that. Yeah, yeah. Not right, but then the thing is, it's uh, true. who's going to pay for it? It's this true. is what I'm saying. It's like, true. It's true. I don't agree with you. No, 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 I fool you. I fool you. All these rights that you're giving to people, okay, like, I mean, I understand, like, I have a right for no one to touch me and yeah. no one to come, but why do I have to give? You should be giving. Oh, I know it sounds harsh, but giving people stuff. Giving people stuff as a right. People compare it to education. So, again, I, I'm another one who thinks education is a privilege, but it's a privilege that we should have. Mm. Um, e- education, again, it, it, you don't get the same in terms of like, the cost, cost of education. Well, I think. But, ah, oh, of course. I, 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 I thought education is a multiplier. But what, what I was saying is, sorry, privilege, uh, uh, healthcare, sorry, is a privilege, but that we should do our best to make accessible for and affordable for everyone. For everybody, yeah. that's, that's my thing. Because, when you've got healthcare, you're dealing with people's intellectual property as well. Yeah. So, this guy has created a cure, let's say, cure to AIDS. Yeah. He's worked his ass off. Yeah. Um, okay, this company, let's just say, they've invested billions and billions and billions and billions. So, is it your right to go because it's healthcare is a right? It should be now two pounds each. So, no, they can set their own price. And that's, that's their that. right because it's their intellectual property to set their own price. If they set a price that's ridiculously high, it's up to them. However, is it your now? Now is it the right of the government that can't afford two million per person that everyone has AIDS to go and fund that for everyone that has AIDS? Why? I mean, how, where's the money coming from? Mm. That's I mean, that's that's bordering on commun- communism. Yes, yeah, that you're you're forcing people to pay excessive amounts for everyone else, mm. and unfortunately, like some people aren't realistic. You can't have a utopia. Some bad things are going to happen in life. That's how that's how the cookie crumbles. Like, and, and that is it. So I think it is a privilege that we should actually fight for to make it successful and full for everyone, but I just don't really 
consider it a right because it's like no, it's, it's not it's not plausible personally anyway no, so I, I don't, I don't think it's plausible I just thought the night before like that I was just amazed swimming in that one secretly it's, 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 it's difficult man so yeah. Any questions you want to ask me? Do you know what? Like this is, I mean, it was. I mean, I've just been abroad and coming. I've, I've been so busy that I haven't really prepared properly. No, no, no. You came ahead of info. Nah, but I just no. It was just what's on my head. Like, if you've got any questions, I'll happily go back and forth with people that aren't pagans. So <laughs> yeah, just come come at me on Twitter and I can go into more detail or less detail. I try to keep it as simple as possible. Mm. Um, yeah, but when when you say um, pagans, it's just people who are not who are willing to actually listen. Because I've realised that on this bit of tangent, somebody knows you know somebody knows more than you about one topic. So instead of you actually listen to what they're saying, because they may be right, they may be wrong, but it's the worst when somebody who's uninformed about something comes with bare bass in their voice, combative, rude, or dismissive. To, to be honest, like I'm I I'm all for different views. Like me, like as you you probably know me quite yeah. well. I don't mind if your view is completely different from mine. Mine's the process. Yeah. So, like, the process of your thought, the process of your argument, the process of what you're doing. If you come to me like a dickhead, so you know how people do and they just, like, they put words in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Really, I'm blocking you, cuz. I'm not <laughs> interested. I have no time for this. I've got too much shit going on mm. in my life. So, I'll happily, if anyone wants to ask me Yeah, I'll, I'll, link, I'll, link, I'll link them to your, so you can yeah. ask more questions about nature. Especially, um, if you have time, Election, election month, election month. Quite a lot of people have now been asking me. Mm. I'm in my DMs open because I want people to have actual decent knowledge on the election because I see a lot of like scaremongering. Yeah. A lot of people just doing hashtag vote for Labour, vote for this, and people are following it. Yeah. So literally more than 30 people have hit me up, asked me questions. Yeah, yeah. So I want people to do that with anybody who has any sort of knowledge. I think it's your responsibility as a person, an electorate, to be able to pass on information where you can because it's much better when. 60% of us are more are informed than 30% because yeah. we make bad decisions. But yeah, so I'll link your... Obviously, I'll put your ad in the thing so you can ask you any questions. No problem. Yeah. Safe for coming around, bro. No worries, man. No worries. No Flip this money, then we stack it up. Burning bridges, niggas acting up. She on my body like I'm tied up. I ain't seen nobody bad as hard. I ain't seen nobody bad as hard. Sports Social Podcast Network.